Luisito. Hugo Sánchez. Toma tu chocomil. Es tu gran compañero. Sí, yo crecí con una dieta balanceada y chocomil. Cuando necesitas algo nutritivo, quieres estar contigo, chocomil, chocomil, te da energía, te acompaña durante el día. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Continuex podcast. This is Albert Campa. This is episode 214. And I'd like to welcome you guys to to the podcast. Joining me is, for now, Joel. And hopefully some other guys will come on. Joel, how's it going? Greetings, cheekies. Going pretty good. Being somewhat entertained by all my chi hermanos going chicken little over Chivas defeat in Copa MX against the, I believe it is the worst second division team. <laughs> uh, Correcaminos. Caminos. Yeah. Uh, the road runner got the best out of the, should be the Chiwa Coyotes. Oh, and thanks for, uh, you didn't hear, but I, I did play the audio of uh, the Hugo Sanchez Choco Milk commercial from I 1986. Actually grew up. <laughs> I actually grew up on Choco Milk, uh, just like Hugo, but I I don't know, man. He must have had the good batch, because I played nowhere near as good as him. Uh, but, man, way back, yeah, like in the 80s, uh, we, used to, we used to have, uh, had an aunt who lived in TJ and we would go visit and we would always like, we would buy some food over there from the Gigante. And that was, that was one of the must have items. The round, the round can of chocomil. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Do you John, have it? I've never had the uh, chocomil this. I didn't grow up in the, in the, uh, we the were Me a quick Mexican area. Household. Yeah, we were, we, I was gringo eyes, so I had Nestle Quick or whatever that was. Welcome, John. I, 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 like, I like Quick Sabor Fresa, but that was, you know. That oh. was it? Oh, man. I it dissolved know. better fancy. Than, than the chocolate Quick. Fancy. That was John being fancy. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you shop at Aurora instead of Gigante. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, though, we would stop at a Gigante and... Uh, those are the, as a kid, those are the items I remember. Uh, a big round can and a big-ass box of cookies. And, and the cookies are just thrown in the box. It, it sort of reminds me like the dog treats I buy now. They're just, they're just a big box of chocolate chip cookies. How is Bark Waffalo? <laughs> She's, yeah, the dog's okay. They're, they're doing good. Doggos are... Kick them out of the room. So we have John on the podcast, traveling in Lubbock. Yay, How's Lubbock! We were uh, we were thinking of uh, I guess going over the main highlights of Liga MX and then maybe previewing this upcoming friendlies. Okay. It's been so long since uh, Liga Mekis, it seems like. Yeah, it's been a while. I guess the main thing, like Joel was talking about, was the uh, 
Copa MX action that happened. I will say this, though. Oh, that's not, not main thing. I, I don't want to call that the main thing. That's the recent, that's the, the most recent. The, the Chiyarmano meltdown. Oh, did, but, they lose, uh, did they lose last night? Yeah, they lost to the Roadrunners. <laughs> they must have lost oh, late because it was 0-0. Zero, zero, oh, like it was, man. It was. And I, I remember like the 80-something minute, and, and I changed the channel. And then when I'm on Twitter, I see all the hashtag Fuera Boy trending. Uh, but I, I guess um, well, it's been eight, eight games played of the league. Of the league, although there's quite a few that only have played seven, right? Because of the of the bye week. Yeah, the bye week. But as of now, the White Roosters they rule the coop. Crazy, first isn't it? place. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, and no really big name signings. It's all been uh, except for one, Remidas. Who, who would that be, John? Well, the one you just mentioned. Oh, <laughs> yeah, the coach. This is this is all the top coaching right here, man. And for my hermanos, this guy could have been, he could have been at Chivas. But he kind of knows what the FO is about. And he's, he's uh, turned down the offer. Yeah. You know, Chivas is, uh, you know, it's kind of like the uh, the Mexican national team. I mean, you have to, if you want it to work, you have to see it all power. But they never want to see it all power. That's why, you know, and I, you know, at least with Pata, they've kind of seeded all power. But, you know, let's see how that, how long that works out. And, you know, as long as the results are good, it's okay. But, it's, you know, as soon as he, like if he loses tomorrow against the U.S., then then there's gonna there's gonna start even even if it's just a friendly there's gonna there's gonna start they're gonna they're gonna be problems. Fuera tata trending. Exactly. So I mean it's just you know it's a it, it's kind of a lose lose for for Chivas Sabina but Mexico but only because of you know of, of decisions of their own making. So you know you know no one's gonna want to go to Chivas you know you know Tomas Boy was. You know, they're not going to get Almeida. They're not going to get Matosas. They're not going to get Arsene Wenger. It's just not going to get guys like that. They're going to get, you know, retreads off the, you know, in, in, the, in the scratch and dent. Those, those are the coaches that are available to Chivas right now, as long as they maintain the same philosophy that they've had for, you know, however long. That the coaches don't really get a full say. You know, that it's just, you know, who wants to be a part of that? Yeah, and, and it ruins, it, it would just make you look like it would ruin your, well, it would tarnish your image as a coach. Yeah. You know, the, the, it would just be seen as a fracaso. And, you know, people are going to forget the FO, any hindrance from the FO, and it's just going to come down as, as you know, you, you just weren't good enough. Meanwhile... Matias Almeida, who started off rough, very roughly in uh, in San Jose, if I'm not mistaken, now has San Jose Earthquakes in second place in the Western Conference in MLS because yeah. he was given room to, you know, make make the team the way he wanted it. They had patience with him, and now it's paying off. 
Well, yeah, patience. And I mean, look what Coach Chivas had that, that they showed very little patience with. And it was Nacho Ambriz. And, and he went to Leon and he, he made them, you know, he, he made them contenders. They reached the final. And they're right now one of the better teams in the league. Yeah, I mean, the, and it's, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, Cruz Azul right now, and I'm not sure what's, what's the latest is with Belayas. I think last I checked, they were having him. Have, has, he, has he announced that he's stepping down yet, or is he uh, going to stay with I think it comes down to the coach. <clears throat> if they don't bring his candidate, because because the talk is that... Um, well, Caixinha was son, never his candidate, of, right? The son of... What happened? Caixinha was never his choice. No, Caixinha was already there when Pelayas arrived. And and this is another thing as as to notice, because he gave them... This was the third season, so he he didn't, even though he didn't want him, he didn't sabotage him or just try to sack him at the first one. He allowed him to work, you know, and he, Caxinha did his own thing uh, eventually. Uh, but but that's the thing with Pelias, so at least he, he's, he's willing to to work it out. Um, so they're saying that Billy Alvarez's son he wants to bring a uh, Ruben Omar Romano. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so, uh, <clears throat> tweeted that uh, three hours ago he said he was going to get it. He was going into a that he wants to continue with Cruz Azul, but he's going into a meeting with the institution <clears throat> to to make a decision. So that was three hours ago. We'll see what happens. Well, you know, I mean, Cruz Azul is. Uh... It's kind of an interesting case because you know on one side we have the, we have Pelias and the way that he does business, which we've seen and, and and has proven to be a very successful blueprint, and then there's Cruz Azul that has Hurtado, who is the you know the the, the main promoter, who I guarantee you is 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 telling Billy Alvarez which coach he wants and what players he wants, and um, so you know we'll end up you know we'll see who wins. And honestly, I, I, I would I would actually be betting against Belias. I think that Belias is going to be a major free agent here coming up in the next, well, I guess in the next couple of hours. And, you know, and if yeah. Cruz Azul wants to be, you know, where they want to be, they have, they have to let Belias do his thing. Or if they want to go back to what they have been for the past four or five years, which is just a very un-Cruz Azul-like inconsistent team, then, you know, by all means, you know, Billy Alvarez's son go, Go sign, you know the. the I mean, seriously, Ruben Omar Romano. I mean, that, <clears throat> I mean that, that that that's insane to me. Why on earth would you want to have a guy who hasn't coached in in, in two or three years, and a guy who's, who's you know coached on every possible team? It just it just makes no sense. They they got I, a contract with Marlboro. That's why. With Marlboro. Yeah, they got a contract cigarettes? with Marlboro, and they they need to push a few more. Uh... You know, cigarette packs a, a week. I thought I thought I thought Romano smoked faros. Well, you know what? You're right. I'm, I'm he he faros. smokes viceroy. <laughs> yeah, so it's just. I mean, why on earth would you want to? Uh, I mean, it's Cruz Azul. I mean, Cruz Azul. You know, at least in in the modern era, since in the Liga era, has been. You know, has been one of one of, if not the top team in Mexico. Why on earth would you want to 
Yeah, this guy travels, man. 2009 yeah, I mean, like, to let's 2010. Be honest, like, like, like all those teams are in, are in Montevideo, so it's not like he has to like... Ooh, the San Martin. <laughs> he, he didn't travel that far. His Uber bill wasn't that that high. Um, That's right. 2000, he did have to change houses. 2010, 2011, Danubio. 2011, Querétaro. And then 2012, 2014, León. 2014 to 2015, America. 2015, Atlas. 2016, Al Hilal. 2017, Cerro Porteño. 2017, Estudiantes La Plata. And 2018 to this year, Costa Rica. I hope he has enough pages in his passport for all those visas he needs to get. Good Lord. Dude, he's teams. 16 teams. So he, so he, he gets bored. He's played for, um, yeah, he even played for Querétaro. Yeah, he he traveled. 12 teams. He played for 12 teams, starting at Peñarol. He went to Spain, Malaga, then Argentina, San Lorenzo, Racing Club, also of Argentina, Sao Paulo in uh, Brazil. Man, he makes Romano look like an amateur with all the... All the, all, all the coaching stops. Good Lord. He was Leida. He was in Valladolid. Atletico Paranaense. Goyas. Tiajín Teda. El Tanque Cisley. That sounds like a band. So, <laughs> it sounds so like he, a garage so band. Gets, he gets bored in the club teams and he gets bored on the national team. So, I mean, honestly, I mean, I mean how, how could you ever build a... A he, long-term he's, project with this guy. You can't. He's Perfect been three years in Leon. So he's, in Leon, he started uh, September 2011. And then he left in November 2014. You're so that's telling me Wikipedia's lying. No, no. <laughs> check out his – look to the left of what you're looking at. So that that summary that you're looking at, it doesn't give you all the seasons. Uh, for, so Leon was, the, was his main – yeah, Leon's been his claim to fame in Mexico, and then he spent a year in, uh, not even a year, a yeah, season he, with... He matched the great Hugo Sanchez with he the did well. He did well yeah. in America also. I understand, though. I understand being bored at a national team, and especially with, like, the lack of activity recently. You're either watching players or you're just, like, sitting around, you know, if there's Dude, no there's yeah. no games. I, I'm pretty sure he saw the, the prospects of facing you know Tata's Mexico and he's all like you know what I'm just gonna give my it's not just that I mean I mean Costa Rica their their generation's done I mean it's acabo you know yeah. they're they're they have to go back to the drawing board you yeah, know it's not it, it, you know the Brian Reese uh Joel Campbell days are, 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 are nearing are nearing their end man you know Maybe maybe they're gonna, they're gonna be crying in the broadcast. With, with maybe in a World Cup in a World Cup year <laughs> that would be exciting, but yeah, it's not. I, I don't blame him. I can understand him saying it's boring. Does he not want to go to Barbados to play the Concacaf Nations League? Yeah, I think we've seen Mexico. Even I think their call, right now, their call ups are like, you know, they don't even want to send at all the A team. So it's gonna be a bunch of. Uh, BC team players going to those. Yeah, well, I mean, from one of the press conferences that, that I saw today, it looks like that, that that's got to have a plan for how he wants to approach those. And 
you know, he has, uh, what is it, he called like, like 31 guys. So I'm assuming that players that play in the game tomorrow against the U.S. are going to go back to their club teams. And then he'll play the, the, the second batch. Now, on the Argentina, did, did, did Messi, is Messi suspended or did, did he get called yes. up? No, he's he's got that suspension from Conmebol. For... But the, but that's but that's for official matches, not for friendlies, right? I thought it was everything. Well, honestly, I'm sure Messi took one look at that field in the Alamo Dome and said, "No chance in hell am I going to play on that." Day. <laughs> he's on like, yeah, I'll take this Ben. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to play on that field under any circumstance. Yeah, I don't. Uh... I don't. I don't blame him one bit. Uh, on, on not wanting to play. But this this there. is uh, Argentine star Lionel Messi was barred on Friday from playing for his national team for three months and fined fifty thousand. Wow. For three months. Yeah, so um, so like, but then again, but but then their qualifying starts in March, so it doesn't miss anything. Yeah. Well, he's really like. I'm sure. I'm sure he's really playing, broken up about it. Not playing Chile for the tenth time. Yeah, yeah this they, year. Joel, I'm surprised you're not there, man. They're they're playing Chile right there in your backyard tonight. I know. You know what? I, there's like a hundred. There's like a hundred people in the stands. I slept on that, and Brazil plays Peru, which that one to me was the more exciting game to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's on the tenth. And yeah, I, I I just dropped the ball there, Yon. See, all these South American teams that are now starting to play in the U.S. and with, with, with the League Cup the way it's going, I am telling you, I think that the uh, that there's going to be a, there's going to be a combo cup here, whether it's clubs yeah. or, or national teams, very, very soon. That's going to be yeah, playing in the U.S. Yeah, they know it. Paul's going to be in the court for this. Um, you know... For the CONCACAF teams to dictate, are they going to be able to, you know, show them the money? Yeah, but you got to do a little better than, than 200, 200 people at the, at the Coliseum. Though. That's a, you know, that, that's not a good look. No, and it's the new look Coliseum, John. Yeah, I saw that with all I the have not, seats. I have not been there. Um, I need to go. I need to go, man. I haven't been there since they remodeled. It sounds like somebody is like using sandpaper right now. Maybe cleaning up an edge. <laughs> so Mexico's playing is, is playing the, yeah, is playing the US tomorrow. At the Meadowlands. We were hoping to have some presence there, but we were denied a credential for you know, which just cracks me up because they'll I guarantee you they'll give credentials to every schmo that has a, a, a U.S. national team podcast, especially at, at, at a place like, you know, in, in New York. But as it turns out, it, it won't be the case for us, which is okay. The U.S. will be at full strength. Uh, Mexico's looking like they'll be at full strength. Uh, Chicharito, who had just signed with Sevilla, they didn't play for Sevilla, goes to Sevilla. Shows the scarf, you know, to the fans, and then gets on a plane and flies to and flies to New York. Dude, so he, he took a pay cut to play there. He did. And, How about uh, that guy, man? 
you know, we had we had offered him a spot, your spot actually put off of here at the Cantina Mex podcast. And he said, no, I got to get So he took a pay cut for that, too. So. Wow. So, uh, yeah, I, I, you were you were on the hold break. Up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. You guys get paid? Yeah. <laughs> hefty, hefty ah, wages. Man. Fucking Ronnie, dude. Is that, is, that, is that guacamole money, huh? <laughs> that guacamole. That's why it's free. That's right. Don't tell me that you guys, uh, you guys just joined the dark side. You guys all signed with Televisa too. Now Televisa, they've been they've been losing people, man. It's uh, like all the Televisa guys are now on on different. Uh, like there's guys on. Uh, um, I mean, I, I, I see them everywhere. They're like on, on Marca, on Claro, and it's. Uh, yeah, I was reading on that, and they did. It was some guy they brought in. He brought in some guy to uh, to manage the sports department, the sports wing of the of the TV station, uh-huh. and and he was trying to shake things up, and he he was trying to like even change up like the commentators and everything, and the only thing he ended up doing was pushing away the talent that they had, and they got stuck with a bunch of mediocre. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. If they were his friends. Our friends of friends. But yeah, he really put a hurt on them. Yeah, and then of course they've combined now with Univision, so it's, it's almost like, you know, they have the same graphics, they have the same announcers. It uh, It's uh, it's very interesting how that has, that has come together. And of course they have the rights, not to the Mexico game, but, to the, but they have the U.S. rights, which is how they were able to broadcast the Mexico game. Which is interesting, uh, which they'll do tomorrow. And uh, the, you know, so the, 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 this is a major. I don't understand why Mexico plays friendlies against the U.S. Frankly, it just it makes no sense to me. But I guess they have to in order for them to continue playing in the states. But well, uh, I mean, it's it's because it's because they're tied with some. Well, I mean, I understand that. I understand that. So it's it's a money thing, obviously. But but yeah. here's the danger. Here's the danger. Oh, the U.S. is going to play with a very young team. Uh, a lot of uh, you know you know a lot of players under the age of 25, so they're going to be very fast, very quick. They're going to go. I mean, I mean, Guardado, God bless him. I, I love the guy. He's been there for you know this is his what his 13th year as a cemented on the national team. Dude can't run anymore. He just can't. Hey, how many caps does he has? I was watching his uh, the Amazon Prime special. He has like uh, like a hundred and something caps already. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's he's been playing on the national team since two thousand five, and he's been a starter since two thousand seven. Jesus. Yeah. That's, it's a great career, man. Yeah, he's, That's he's, been, he's, been, he's been very solid. He's had a. Yeah, so they have a bunch of youngsters, and so here's my thing: so if the U.S. Mexico hasn't beaten the U.S. in a friendly in like twenty years, it's been a long time. Again, not that it matters. But it obviously matters to the U.S. because, as everybody knows, when you when the U.S. release their uh, their books as far as compensation, the biggest compensation the U.S. players get is for beating Mexico. That's the biggest bonus they get is beating Mexico. So you have a bunch of 21, 22-year-olds that are probably going to make, you know, you know, outside of Pulisic, you know, these guys are probably making uh, not necessarily the, the, the biggest salaries. For MLS or wherever it is that they play, 
So they're, they're staring at a, at a pretty sizable chunk of money to win this game. So they're going to be extremely motivated to you know, win this it, game. It doesn't beat uh, Jolie's uh, TV, Chivas TV offer. It does not. Offer to him. It, it, it definitely, boy, I tell you what, he could do, Chivas TV could do a lot better than the, the guys they have announcing those games. Good Lord. The English announcers? Oh, man, it's rough. It's rough. <laughs> Yeah, man. It's like they picked them at random. It, 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 it's like they said, do you know the Frito Bandito? Because that's what we're going for. No, it's, <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, so 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 the U.S., you know, and, and then if the if, if these quote-unquote youngsters, you know, beat, you know, a quote-unquote full-strength Mexico, I mean, then they're going to have just the amount of confidence that's going to give them is, is just is absolutely huge and tremendous. And and you know we saw this already in 2012 that that, that, that saw the beginning of the end of the of, of, of the chapel they lost to the us at the azteca no less they lost to the us yeah we, we, we can't forget that and uh so you know the, 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 this is a major major danger game for the for, for mexico tomorrow there, there's no upside for mexico if they win there's a huge downside if, if they draw or lose major and that's something that uh, I've never quite understood why they continue to play these games as friendlies it just, it just boggles the mind so I don't, it's what we'll, feeds MLS I'm not, I'm not too alarmed I, I do understand what you're saying I'm not too alarmed and uh, I, I, do, I see the risk but even if Mexico has lost for a long time 2-0 to the U.S. Uh, recently, Mexico's gotten better results even in the U.S. Um, so if even well, if they I mean, lose 2-0 official matches again, over the past in official matches in the past ten years, Mexico's only lost twice. They yeah, lost that, that's in, very few. In 2013 and in 20, uh, 2009, they've well, they won twice in 2009. They won in 2011. They won in 2015 and 2016 and 2019. So Mexico had six wins over the U.S. in official matches in the last 10 years. The U.S. only has two. But in front, but again, you know, those are official matches. Yeah, which, that's which very few. The ones that count, which to me are the ones that count. Yeah, and those are very few compared to the unofficial. I guess the friendlies happen all the time. And that's where the U.S. has their 2-0 wins. And, 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 the, and they don't count as much, maybe. The official matches are well. I mean, that's the thing, though, finals. Is, is, that, is that you know, again, for the for the U.S. players, they it's it, it is their biggest game. They get the biggest bonus. Well, but, but John, uh, I think is and is this fecha FIFA? Yeah. Because Max is uh, slowly edging their way into top ten. I think they're what? What were they? Thirteen or fifteen? Uh, the last FIFA Coca Cola ranking. Uh, let me check. In the last. Uh... It just came out like maybe last month. FIFA Coca-Cola rankings. I'm gonna look at this right now. Not 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 the women's ranking, but the men's ranking. Let's see. Mexico is twelfth. Uh, they see? went up six spots. Twelve. So I mean, and and they play Argentina too. So beating Argentina. Good lord. You know, I think uh, they could be looking pretty. Well, I mean, who knows? Once once you have these other tournaments, they might 
Yeah, well, remember, I mean, uh, what Mexico has to do, you know, it's I think it's very unrealistic for Mexico to think that they can sneak in and get a World Cup seed. But we've uh, done it before. It, it, ha- it has happened. It's been and, done. And, and it was because Mexico got to beat Brazil a lot when Brazil was the number one team in the world at the time. And uh, okay, so that's how Mexico... Get friends with Belgium. That's right. <laughs> Belgium is Belgium is the, is the number one uh, team in the world right now, according let's, to the. Uh, let's, let's get them to travel here and send their B team. So it's it's Belgium, Brazil, France, England, Uruguay, Portugal, Croatia, Colombia. Out of those top eight, and then these are the teams that are outside looking in: Spain, Argentina. So Mexico would have to jump all of those to get. So that's that that's just not realistic. I mean, out of those, you would think maybe Portugal would slide, Croatia, maybe Colombia. But again, Spain and Argentina are right there to take their spots. So uh, very unrealistic for that to happen. Now, but but again, if, if you go into that, if, if they do the draw the way they did the last time, Mexico would, would be just fine being in the second group, being in the, in the second group, because that way, you know that you know the, you know that way they avoid playing. And here's the second group: it's Spain, Argentina, Switzerland, Mexico, Denmark, Chile, Germany, Italy, Holland. So you avoid you avoid that you avoid a group of Brazil, Germany. Brazil, Germany, Mexico. So as long as Mexico stays in the top 15 in the world, they're gold. And of course, as as Juan points out, beating Argentina and beating the U.S. and friendlies go a long way to helping them them establish that. A Coca-Cola ranking has them at 12. That is correct. They would be in the second group, right? Correct. Well, well, but John, aren't they? They're adding the number of teams, right, to the to not the to, World not Cup? until the next one. Oh, okay. Yeah, this one they had. They even had to cut down the state number of stadiums, which is how they're justifying their new logo, saying, "Well, eight, eight represents the eight stadiums that are in Qatar." Por favor. <clears throat> so, so only the first eight spots get a, a seed, and obviously the first the seven. Team. Yeah, the well, first, first seven. seven, and assuming the home team's not a. The top eight. Well, the home team will be will will be a group seed, so it's the it's the seven plus plus the so, home. So yeah, plus the home. So so does Mexico want to get drawn in the in the? I just think that they got to stay away from Argentina and Brazil in the knockout stages for the first round. Is there a way? How can we make that work? Well, it's, it's I mean it really depends on the cruce because that's what I mean. Yeah, I mean, well, that there's nothing you can do about that. Now, I personally believe, I personally believe that if, if they're going to seed it one, that they're going to do it by not by seed, and they should break up the uh, like the top eight, like put, you know, like say Croatia, uh, Qatar is going to be like the out of the eight seeds, they're going to be the lowest seed, right? So put them in Group A, and then put whoever the number one seed is, say Brazil, put them in Group H, so they don't. So the only way that they would play each other. Or you know just 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 split the you know the, the one and two seeds rather. Oh, so the only way they would play each other is in the final. You don't want to, you don't want Brazil to play France in the quarterfinals. You know you know or 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 have or have a chance that they can play in the in the round of sixteen. No so, no one no one wants to see that. Assuming the the eight seeds like advance to quarterfinals, you want you want like Brazil playing. Yeah, you want Brazil exactly exactly yeah, like yeah. like one of the, like the lower seeds and. Yeah, you're exactly right. I got you. Yeah. So, so. let's send them a fax or, well, an email now, right? 
Who well, cares? it is FIFA. You can probably you, you send them a telex. <laughs> a telegram. They'll play. Telex. They'll play whoever, man. Let them play whoever. If they don't get a seed, who cares? They can just play. Maybe one team come in set. One big team come in second. They 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 got first. Well, they didn't get first. They had Germany in their group. They've had big teams in their group before, and they've they've you know went through. So it's it's not. I don't think I don't see no, it as a huge. No, I'm not. I'm not worried about that. I mean, just you know, with with but what's happened in the, in the world of soccer over the past. I mean, we saw it in the 2014 World Cup. I mean, how many, you know, because they were doing it by continent. I mean, there were so many groups that were just stacked. That uh, I mean, a lot of good teams ended up going home because of that. Because you know, like like the, you know the 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 Chile Spain Holland group and the the Italy Uruguay England group. And you know the, the to a lesser degree the Germany, Ghana, Portugal, U.S. group, but but when they did it in this last the way they did it this last time where they did, you know by, you know the the pots based on their on their ranking it made it so much more equitable. I mean there really wasn't a quote unquote group of death in the uh, in, in, in the Russia World Cup. All the groups were so balanced out so nicely that it just uh, you know there was one group that was. Very, uh, you know, very weak, but most of the other ones were, were were relatively reasonable, and that's all you can ask for. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, but like, in, you know, but if you, I mean, imagine if if you know Mexico that was put in with the Asian teams, and you know the way it is now with with Germany. I mean, Mexico could have a group: Brazil, Germany, you know, Ivory Coast, Mexico. I mean, good God, you know, that would be awful. Or Brazil, Germany, Holland, Mexico. That could, that could be a, the way they used to do it before. That could be a group, but but now but now but that, that's not going to happen anymore because they they're using the FIFA rankings. So it uh, so like I said, if Mexico stays in the top fifteen. They're gold. Yeah, they're, they're gold. I don't even I don't even stress out too much about Costa Rica and and them getting their fortunate run of opponents. And making it, you know, semi deep into the into the World Cup, like I don't. Yeah, I mean, don't... it's all about the it's all about the draw. I mean, it's all about the draw. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't be, I, I'm not too envious about that situation for Mexico, and you know, they they didn't beat huge teams to get there, uh, and so that's you know, it doesn't make Costa Rica this great huge team, uh, because just you know, go back to Concacaf and World Cup qualifying, they. You know, they end up losing to Mexico. And uh, Kaylor Navas ends up getting scored on plenty of time by uh, Mexican players. So it's not it's not like, oh, he's from uh, Real Madrid, and so he's going to shut us out and stuff. No. Even Guillafranco scored on, on Kaylor Navas. Yeah, that's pretty. I'd be really upset if that happened. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But the point, another going back to the players, I guess, Chicharito going to Spain and then just coming right back. Uh, Tata talked about uh, Lainez, and I guess since he's younger, um, that he's sort of in the same situation. But he let him stay, which he's, I mean, he's young, so I mean, it's, it's not too surprising. Well, I, th- I thought Lainez uh, is, is with the U22s. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be in the future with the the senior team, but... Um, he was questioned, and then also Macias was questioned, and he's going to, he's going as well to the U22s, which I agree with. A lot of people are sort of complaining about Macias not being in the lineup, but uh, where are you going to put him? 
Yeah, it's, there's still there's still the other players. Well, some people probably don't even want uh, Chicharito on the team anymore. They don't want you know the guys that don't want Guardado, Herrera, uh, Reyes for sure, even Moreno. Is Reyes called up? Yeah, Reyes is looking to start. Possibly, um, I, I got the lineup on the uh, well, it's on our YouTube channel. But yeah, Reyes and Moreno are the two guys in back. That I don't know if these are the uh, yeah they're possible. Like Fox Sports has a po- uh, a probable lineup against the the United States. So it's like Moreno and Reyes at the back, Orozco even in the goal. Uh, Sanchez and Gallardo on the sides. Uh, Rodriguez Gall- uh, Guardado, Herrera in the middle. Alvarado Corona. Up up top with Chicharito. So that's a probable lineup that's been floating out there, which a lot of people sort of... Guatemala beat Anguila 10-0 tonight. 10-0. They're back, John. That's right. (laughs) 53-year-old Pescadito scored. Pescadito scored, yeah. Scored two goals. He's still playing? (laughs) I have no idea. Yeah, he's like, he must be mid to late 40s. Mexico lost 2-1, I think, to the U.S. in the Nations Nations Cup. So that was another uh, result that was out there. Oh, he's 39, John. He can still play. Oh, come on, Pescadito's 39. There's no way, man. He's got to be in his, his mid-40s. <laughs> I thought he was older, but he's 39, unless this Wikipedia page hasn't been updated. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, well, man, it's been. He was he was in FC Dallas in twenty sixteen. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty shocking. He should still be playing. I think he could still make the Guatemalan team. He could be player coach. Yeah, I didn't realize that Diego Reyes had been called up, but it's, I, mean, I guess it kind of makes sense. So he's been bad recently. He's yeah, he's he's not. I mean, you know, when you can't even make it a turn. I mean, yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know what the reason is for his. Truthfully, I mean that is uh, that is that is pretty rough. He's predicted to be a starter tomorrow, man. Him, Herrera, and Guardado in midfield. Maybe, uh, maybe he's gonna, maybe he's gonna put this weaker team up first against the U.S. and then bring up a better team against Argentina. Because I believe only a few, like you said earlier, only a few will stay. For the two, and then the rest, it'll be two basic, basically two different teams that would be going up for these two friendlies. So, no Pizarro. Well, according to the probable lineups that they have, the I mean, I'm looking at it. I mean, you're right, it looks like he's going to play the uh, the B, the B group against. I mean, if you already believe Fox Deportes, I mean, they don't, 
yeah, yeah. So we'll see how that turns out. Well, guys, I'm I'm gonna have to uh, check out because uh, I had a very long drive, like very early. So, but it was uh, good to be back home with you guys. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. Sure. Bye, John. Adios, muchachos. Adios. Later, John. I'm gonna I'm jump up too, guys. Late dinner over here. Alright, Juan. Sanchez, the poster had been lurking in the background this whole time. What you got then, man? What 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 topic you got? What? Well, first of all. The myth that El Tata Martino is anything new and refreshing. While I agree he might be a fucking world-class coach, leading Mexico, I believe it's the same old tale. The coach falls prey to the FMF's uh, direct orders and commands. Chicharito has not been playing, and he's going to be the starter tomorrow night? No, mommy. They, they, they talk about Linus being young, and yet you've got uh, Alexis Vega, who's 21, uh, who won't be 22 until November, and uh, whatever. It's a bunch of BS, you know? Yeah, it's a commercial. Chicharito still got some sponsors lined up. Well, yeah, is, you, 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 well you, heard, you, heard, uh, you heard his interview... Tata Martino's interview when he talked about being better, Mexico being better than the U.S. as far as the players playing in better leagues. So it's just a typical thing where Mexico has players in Europe on better teams than the U.S. does. So that's where you get the chicharito. That's where you get like uh, like all these guys, sure, guys. instead sure, of Diego Jimenez. Diego Jimenez has not been playing uh, for years. You had a well, not years, but I mean at least two seasons. You had a El, El Pollo uh, in Portugal, he didn't get a call-up. He had Omar Govea, whatever you want to believe, but he's out here up and no one could, no one capped him. I mean, he did. He came over in two games. It's, uh, it's all about promotors, I believe, ultimately, to, to win out. But that's my take. Yeah, I, mean, yeah I, do, I do get it. Like the pretty boys. Like uh, <laughs> the pretty boys, the guys that can be on the, the commercial. Boys, not doing jack squat with Atletico Madrid. Cholo Simeone keeps uh, promising him that he'll get time, and yeah, he's going to start tomorrow. That's all the hierarchy, like always. So I mean, Tata Martino eventually will either succumb to the pressure or he'll bow out. You know, what I mean, Osorio put up with it. Um, we'll see how this guy does. And it's a friendly, also. So I mean, it's all about making money in the U.S. The fans want to see. Uh, especially on a fecha FIFA, FIFA, uh, FIFA, they want to see the the big players. Yeah, well, they want to see the known players. Chicharo, even though he hasn't played, he's still very popular. He still sells. Uh, I, I was well, I wasn't surprised, but as soon as he was announced with Sevilla, they already had like the three the three camisas with the fourteen and his name. And they were already selling. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and you see what Wolves are doing with uh, Raul Jimenez and the green jersey. Yeah, the third, the third kid, yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, and no, I agree with Hugo. Those guys shouldn't be getting called up. They haven't even been playing good. But 
they're there to sell, to uh, you know, cumplir, cumplir with, you... the, with the sponsors and and also like he says. Do you do you think Hugo that like all these guys shouldn't even be called up and they should be prepping the younger kids for the for the next World Cup? Like should it be like should Guardado and Herrera not even be on these call ups anymore? Not even be on the national team anymore? Well, I mean, Guardado to me is well. First of all, I applaud him for staying in Spain. I applaud him for staying in Europe and trying to try to trade over there. To compare some of the other young guys who returned to Mikis. Um and the fact that you know even PSV was looking to you know to re-sign him just shows that he's you know he's still got some stock you know and uh, but I think like he's taking a spot like for example I would go with I mean you know Achache sure hasn't been starting with Atletico but I'd go with a lineup of him Jonathan I'd look at uh, I mean personally I start looking at the players who have been shining in the Liga you know I mean I know we talk about you have a, you have the youth setup and you have plenty of games for them to prep from Tokyo. But you look at that kid from Querétaro, uh, the uh, defensive mid, uh, Marcel Ruiz, and I'm like, dude, why don't we just start giving him senior minutes? I mean, he's a big kid. Uh, he looks like he's promising for the future. But no, we you know we we always stagnate. You know, we'll we'll, we'll prep them for the for the Olympics, and then what happens after the Olympics? Is it going to go the way of like a Nestor Vidrio type? You know, that I haven't heard from him since. I'm just concerned. You know, I mean. The goalie situation, I don't know. I, I, was, I was going with Gibran uh, Lahoun still, you know. I mean, what, um, what he didn't pan out, you know, the way we thought he would. Um, what about Sebastián Curado, you know? That guy's, that guy's good, uh, Sebastián Curado. He's getting, like, blasted on left and right at Veracruz, and he's doing a pretty good job. But that's a different, that's a difficult, uh, <laughs> that's a difficult, uh, competition there when you got Ochoa. Hey, won't that make you a good keeper if you're playing that sucky team? Yeah. You're getting X amount of shots on golf per game. I mean, that's pretty much a <laughs> European career. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that dude's like an MVP yeah. over there, man. <laughs> and it's not the just thing, like... The thing, the thing with them would have been America, to me, I'm, I'm still a little upset about that. I just, I don't know. I mean, I'd be okay with him playing for Axio or uh, any of those stupid ass teams that he played for instead of coming back to America. <laughs> I don't think he liked living there, though. I, I don't think he was enjoying Belgium. Yeah. You don't like America, then, that's why. That's biased. No, but it's, it's like they think about, like, you know, like he has his wife and kids. And it's like they want to be closer to their family, and it's like, all right, you know, it's it's just easier for them if I move over here. Like he's been away for X amount of years, so it's like, like. No, well, speaking of which, I mean, do you guys talk about uh, non-liga making stuff like, uh, you know, everyone's favorite at Carlitos Vela and his whole situation? Because that that podcast with Eddie Bauer was. Pretty interesting, man. It was. Uh, I, oh I yeah. Think we heard more. Uh, we heard more from his mouth than we have in like years, in fourteen years. Yeah, I listened to that. That was a. Yeah. That was a really good one. I've. Uh, I'm. I'm thinking of doing a video on. Well, it's been too late. I mean, it's sort of old news now. 
but analyzing what he said, because he says some pretty good stuff that pretty much makes me think, which we already knew that he's never coming back to the national team again. But to me, it's sort of he, he disrespects the coach and his decision because even it's the coach's decision to decide that he wants to take Vela over some youngster who's going to be a future player because he, he's the guy in charge. And he, it's not Vela's choice to, to, to make and say, oh, I don't want to go because you should give the younger player the opportunity. That younger player may not be the best player that, or is not going to be the best player at the World Cup if Vela is still on top of his game. I so, think that's just him saving face. Yeah, and and then the whole oh I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in L.A. for the rest of my life. I don't even like going to Spain. It's too uh, it's too cold or whatever. And then he goes oh maybe Miami. I, I would like Miami. That'd be that'd be really cool. He's just going. Oh, and the main thing that I liked about that interview was what he said. Like they asked him if he had any regrets. Uh, I don't know if they referred to Arsenal, but he brought up Arsenal and that he was just too young and too immature, and he liked. Uh, he, he made some wrong decision. I don't think he said parting specifically, but Benny Fellhaber said that, or asked, you know, is it parting? And he said, uh, yeah, or something like that. Um, I think he was like, uh, he was just too into having fun and not concentrating on the game. And if he wasn't, he probably could have, he probably could have done really well and, and busted into the lineup in Arsenal. And that would have changed his yeah, whole he career. Clearly, that would have changed his whole career. Yeah, he, he clearly blasted London. He said, he didn't like London. He, then he, he went back and said he didn't give it his all. He wished that maybe he didn't have two paragraphs, but he wished that he could go back and, and show that he had, you know, was at the level of being, you know, a key member of the team. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure he was a winning party, hanging out with women and drinking. Because he said, he said his mind was everywhere but on soccer, you know, and that he was crazy. Um, with regards to the national team and like coming back and taking a spot, um, I mean, yeah, I guess he tried to save face. I, I agree, try to like show some nobility. But I mean, we've seen it countless times before with like Luis Hernandez, Sagi, uh, Luna, you know, these older cats take, getting like a last minute call up or a last minute run, and you know, essentially taking away the spot from somebody that's been there during the whole process, if you will. But I don't know. I mean. Like you guys remember when uh, Tuca took over the team and they played that one that one off at Pasadena versus the U.S. and Tuca says, you know, I know I was in the media like that's a long time where he was blasting Pulido for being a diva, and he was talking about people people they don't want to play for Mexico then you know que no salgan de rogar you know we don't need to beg them, and he but he went back and he said, dude, I had all all these preconceived notions about Carlitos Vela and when I met him man, my hats off to the guy man, un tipazo. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Wait, wait, well, which is kind of weird because Memo Chola said that when Luca was there, it was just like a buddy instead of a coach. So I don't know. Well, I I think Luca uh, knew he wasn't he wasn't uh, he wasn't gonna get the job, and those were just like those games were just compromiso. So they were like they were like, God, let's just. You know, they weren't taking them that serious. Let's just have some fun and do do our business and then pack it in. Uh, it, it's, it's interesting you bring up uh, you bring up Duca. There was a there's a clip that came out a day or two ago. It's Ramon Ramirez and he's talking about when Duca was at Chivas and he's talking about how 
at Chivas, they had this uh, this tradition where every Friday they would just they would just have like a, like a potluck type of thing. He was eating like comida chatarra, he called it. And, and he said how it became like a, that was the season that they won the, the league title. And, and he, he said that was a big reason for it. Just that they everybody would get together and uh, and then just eat all those like tacos and tortas ahogadas. And, and then he... And then he talked about when Tuca found out he he pro- he prohibited that. Like he, he, he shouldn't be in chunk That was the infamous uh, the the Toros Nesa, the Cholos Nesa season, right? <laughs> Cholos Nesa. Uh, yeah, yeah, guy, that was yeah, the final. The five zero or whatever with Gustavo Napoles. And they were saying that Ganamos, pusimos. Yeah, with with Ojitos who just retired. Uh, I think for the good riddance, man. This time for real. They, I mean, <laughs> they, they say he's a nice guy, and you know what? He might be the nicest fucking dude on the planet, man. But after what he did in Mexico in 2001, I don't ever want to see him again. We talked about that last, the last podcast, chickies, or or what was that? We talked about about like it sort of had like a bad luck. Because he did bring in some of the guys from uh, from Toluca that he had. Yeah, he had Victor Ruiz, Abundis. He had um, I don't know. I just remember the what, the one the one zero against England uh, at a what, at Coventry, where uh, David Beckham had debuted the Mohawk and he oh, scored oh. the the free kick from hell on Ronaldo. Oh, uh, I think, uh, yeah, what? Oh, I was going to, I was going to bring up some news, but what What did you have to say? No, I was just going to say, uh, yeah, that Confederacion is a 2001 with, uh, oh, it was terrible, man. Um, France crushed us, and we, we made a, what was it, Steve Allen, or who was that guy, the forward? He was like the, like the fourth forward for France at the time. Yeah, I mean, we made him like a world beater, man. <laughs> what? Yeah, Mexico lost all three games. And I, and I remember after every after every game, uh, they would interview him, and he said, "Me gustó, me gustó tu sentimiento del equipo." Man, poor guy gets bullied on a lot. Oh, I was, I was going to say, uh, Cruz Azul, it looks like Siboldi uh, is going to be the new manager. I like I like Siboldi. He, I mean, he, should, he shouldn't have gone to Veracruz, but that team, when he when he won with Santos, he, he pretty much outcoached everyone. We see the games, especially going into Liguilla. Uh, and then he had, he had the attack just you know, they had a Villalmina and a Furch. And he had a Paula Gonzalez, who is also a Cruz Azul now, the Uruguayan. And he just, he had their attack just because Chepo had that team and they would miss. It, it was incredible how much they would miss 
Now, I don't know exactly what Tivoli did, but these guys just started scoring. Uh, I, I think that's a good, that's a good, uh, that's a good pick. They were saying that, uh, was it Turco? He wanted to bring his whole entourage. And he has like an eight, eight-man coaching team. That's just too much money. Cruz Azul didn't want to pay for that. Yeah, they're saying, uh, I guess, uh, what's his name? Garces? Wait, is Pelaez? Garces. Wait, is hasn't, uh, hasn't left. He said if he wants to leave, he can leave. Uh, Garces is on Picante. Just talking about him. But uh, Pelaez hasn't left yet. That's still... Well, I think he was more, mostly opposed to Romano taking over. Yeah. Uh, but Tivoli's a good pick. I, I, I wouldn't. I'd be surprised if Belayas leaves. Uh, over Tivoli's a good coach. I think. Uh, they they were my picks, man. If we could do the same, if we could work the same magic we did with Santos. Uh, you know, I think Cruz Azul will. They already have a really deep squad, so I think. Uh, this move could work wonders for them. Yeah, it's just a lot of drama going on. Just got to get past it. That's what, uh, That's what I think Chivas should avoid by uh, just giving Tomas Boy a chance to just avoid the drama because everyone's like wanting to change the coach after a few games, but the coach isn't really playing I think any coach in there is not gonna not gonna have much better results it's the players that are not performing even though the the game against the against Tamaulipas was you know not their best lineup it was like a B lineup they even had Oribe playing uh, which I think uh, Oribe's sort of dropped off the starting lineup for Chivas Vega didn't play, Pulido didn't play. They had a backup goalkeeper, I believe. So yeah, the lack of lack of patience on teams, firing coaches all the time is sort of distraction distracting. Yeah, boy, it's getting all the it's getting all the blame for all everything that's been going on with Chivas. It surprised me from the fans. You know, especially if you've been following the club long enough. You don't even have to follow it that long. At least five years uh, would be long enough to know the front office is just a mess. Uh, the last three coaches going back from Chepo to Matias to Carlos, all, they've all gone through the back door. Uh, so you can't keep firing coaches like that or else no one's going to want to work. And, and, and we see Chivas... They haven't really hired any like top coaches since I would say probably what Ben Hacker was the last one that you could say they brought in a, a, a named a big named coach because uh, because uh, Tuca came in when he was just starting he had one with Pumas and he came in second title and then we had uh, who else came 
Chepo was just getting started. So they haven't really had, you know, in any renowned coach. And and in the past, like how did they go around it, but they, they were, you know, Vergara was just paying them off. You, you brought in someone, like even someone like La Volpe comes in and he has a two or three year deal and you sack him, you still have to, you still have to pay him all that. Dude, you Sorry. forget, you forget that uh, um, Jorge Vergara said he was going after a premier coach, one of the best in the world, and he brought in the fucking Javier uh, Ascargota. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that guy, uh, he's a Spaniard who had coached Bolivia to their first World Cup. But I don't think he had coached since like 1994, and and uh, he brought, <laughs> he wanted to bring Coyman too. Uh, yeah, you're just it's just a lot of money that the club squandered. Even when when we look at like the whole Cruyff project, uh, that's just a lot of money that they paid once they got rid of that. Because that was they had um, you know they had Johan Cruyff, and then they had like. Um, yeah, uh, Van Junior, uh, John Van Cheep. <laughs> and and a bunch of youth coaches. And they had to pay off like like five, eight people. Dude, I mean, ultimately, Efrain Flores and Guero Real, those were good coaches, man. I believe that they were like system coaches. But they did, they did great for like the youth setup and funneling in players. I mean, ultimately... Uh, you know, Vergara made some good decisions. I just think it's this whole, you know, he's on record to hire the most coaches in Chivas history. Yeah, well, one of the problems was that Vergara would, so for example, they had Hans, and, and Hans, and it's funny because a lot of the Chiva fans think he did all this work for Guadalajara, and he, he did do, he does deserve credit, but they forget that, uh, in his time there, Chivas sent him to Costa Rica to oversee the Saprisa project. They, they sent him to Chivas USA. They had him all over the place. So it was hard for him to work. Uh, and, and ended up in Pachuca is where he, he did work along with Flores. And then uh, Chivas just ended up buying the Pachuca players. <laughs> yeah, I don't Yes, I guess the any big uh, going over the last Liga MX week eight, any big results? I know, uh, as I predicted, Pumas was gonna defend their home field and beat Toluca. They did beat Toluca. They, they, you said, and they they haven't fired um, Bigotón because uh, we thought if he lost, that would be the that would be his last last match. Yeah, I think the he's got the RG clout, the history, the history in Mexico and national team that's helping him maintain a little bit longer than the other guys. And they're in. Uh, let's see, I'm gonna try to pull up the uh, the standings. They're in 18th place. Yeah, they're at the very like near yeah, second to last. <laughs> so yeah, man, to, uh, 
Ricardo Lavolpe not doing too good there. You got brand new FC nope. Juarez still ahead of him in 16th place. Chivas, Chivas went down quite a bit. Yeah, well, they've lost two games in a row, but they're also one game behind because there's a few teams that have eight, eight games. Well, so, they did. Uh, they did tie uh, Cruz Azul over the weekend, so they kept even with them, even in the Azteca. And then they're, uh, which I guess the next their crosstown rival humiliated America 3-0, <laughs> which I guess that was coming because America hasn't been playing very well. That was, uh, but they still they still are there in third place. Atlas is in six. So this next, uh, let me let me see when the classical Tapatio is. I think it's coming up here. Yeah, it's in two weeks. So after this break in the Acorn Stadium, Chivas and Atlas. Yeah. I would have to, I would have to say Atlas is going to be the favorite, but. But Chivas is hosting. Yeah. You, you still see the Rojinegros as favorites. Um, but for for Cibaldi, it's funny because Cibaldi, his last club was Veracruz. And he's going to face them uh, at the Pirata Fuente. So I, I do think uh, Cruz Azul will bounce back right there. Uh, and Veracruz, I think they're going to be at 35 games. They already have the record for Liga MX. Most games without a win. Uh, and then we have, uh, we're going next week, right? The other Clásico, man, Club America Pumas. Oh, yeah. That's going to be a tough one. Uh, I don't know if they... Uh, let me see. I don't know the history between these. It's been a while since Pumas has gotten a good result, gotten a win against the uh, the Weedless. Can't find the his the historical. What What are you going on about, Chiki? You mean in Clásicos? Pumas hasn't oh, been able to beat... Uh, yeah, they haven't been able to America. beat America in a, in a while. Yeah, that's the thing about Piojo. He, he rarely loses. Uh, he's rarely lost Clásicos since he's been with America. He's, he's going to be... He already is one of their best coaches, like historical coaches. Uh, and I, I think he's... This season, I don't know if he already did it, but I think he's going to break the record for most wins with the team. They're sort of going downhill a little bit, though. They've they haven't won the last Quite three games. Third place. They're... Yeah, but they haven't lost. They haven't won the last. They, the they lost three zero the Atlas. They haven't lost won in the last three games. Their last win was against Morelia. They lost. Those... No, I know, I know, but they've had, uh, you know, their preseason was. See now, why? Why are you having me defending America, man? <laughs> their preseason was like a mess. I, I don't. Uh, seems like a cash grab, just like Chivas. Uh, they sold some key players, and they they're just re, uh, you know they've just been replacing some of them. So this is and they've had a couple injuries, but I mean to still be in third that's that's not. Yeah, they're holding they're holding on because of their their early performance. 
I think they're now they're on the decline, and this is the opportunity for Pumas to pounce on them. You know, give the uh, get uh, get some cat power behind them and <laughs> swat swat the eagle in the face a few times. This will be this will be their chance. So I, I'm actually I'm actually sort of uh, hopeful actually for this game. So okay, we'll okay, then, yeah, yeah. Cause see, what would this be? Memo second match with with America. Yeah, and, cause and his, like Gio, his first Gio match. Has, what he has? Like, Gio has like what three games with them, and they brought the they brought some guy from Paraguay. Didn't they go after some other guy just recently? Some Argentine? Yeah, I haven't. I don't remember. I don't recall. But yeah, uh, Ochoa came back, got hit with three, three goals in that loss. Uh, Gio hasn't played. I don't know if he's he's. Uh, I don't know why he hasn't played. I don't know if he's got like an injury or something. But he didn't play, I don't think, in the last game. Um, hopefully, he he get he gets back in there. Um, the Caxa is doing doing really well. They're playing Monterrey in uh, in the north. That should be a an interesting one as well. But yeah, the two classicals, I guess, is the main are the main games for. Uh, the next week, the next jornada, which is in two weeks. Yeah, he, here he is. It's a Uruguayan. It's a Uruguayo. It's a striker, 21-year-old. Federico Sebastián Barbosa. See? See, they just signed this guy. They got, they got rid of the French dude. Their Quignac. They wanted, they wanted their own Quignac. It just didn't pan out. It was sort of like messed up what happened though, because they're saying someone in the America front office, they leaked the info of when he was leaving, like, like you know, what his flight was, and he had like a couple fans that went and, and you know, assaulted him. Oh, they... Like the fans, uh, in, uh, the fans in Guadalajara at the airport when America went to play Atlas. Some of them got upset and was, I think one of them pushed one of the America players. Calling them all kinds one, of names. One of, them, one of the fans? One of the Chivas fans pushed an America, uh, America player from uh, while they were in the airport for the Atlas mm -hmm. game. So there's a video out on that. I don't know if you saw it. But... No, I have not cheekies. Yeah. Well, I guess that's a. I guess we talked about a lot of. A lot of the main points. We can. Uh, got anything else? Or you wanna? You're good to close it out for the night. Unless you have any other topic you want to discuss or thing you want to say? No, well, maybe just just my bit on boy. Yeah. Um, I think Chiva fans exaggerating. Uh, I'm not saying he's the best. 
coach for the job, but he's he's who the team has right now, and and it's it's uh, disingenuous to blame to blame everything on him. Uh, it's, it's even looking at the squad; they're not one of the strongest teams. Uh, you know, like even for the start of the season, just to make it into the top eight was was going to be a challenge for them. So it's not like they're getting um they're they're getting their asses handed to them. Probably aside from that first game against Santos, which was uh, the first game of the season when they lost three zero. But but even then, you have to see just how bad the front office had planned the preseason and they had them playing, you know, a, a game before the just a few days before the opening of the season and then just flying to go play again right after that match. So, I mean, these, these things uh, end up affecting how, how you, you build a squad. Uh, even the players that would bring in, it's, it's been like a, a big mess. Like, for example, like the transfer of Jesus Molina. And so Monterrey said, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll sell you the player, but you need to give us, um, you need to give us, uh, dude, I forget his name already. He wanted the striker on loan. It was at that point she was top striker with six goals, and then they sent Madrigal over. You know, all all these moves, sending out JJ Macias, all of that have affected the club. So I think fans concentrating a bit too much on Boy, and forgetting like the other guys that have been have been you know putting kerosene on the dumpster fire. And it's like, they're mad at boy because he can't turn it off. So yeah, it's going to take a while, man. I don't know why they, it's only been seven games, you know? Uh, and and even if he doesn't make it, you know, um, I, I think they shouldn't fire him just because it sets a bad, uh, you know, it gives a bad example. And anyone is not going to want to work at Chivas where they feel like you're going to get the blame ultimately, even if you, you're not much of the cost. I think if they would, would rather, I would rather if she was just focused on finding like a good coach instead of trying to do it like, you know, have a rash decision, which to me was like the mistake with Cardoso. Four games left to fire him and then to bring in Boy and then say, oh, he's only the coach for four games. And then they, they end up extending his contract. It pretty much shows that. But they, they extended the contract because nobody else, you know, they couldn't find anyone else that was going to willing to work under Chivas. So, I mean, that's why firing boy, you, you're just feeding into that system that's not working. And so I know for a lot of fans, it sucks. It sucks to have that dude or if they don't like him. But I, I think no queda otra. You know, just just wait till the season ends, which I still think there's a fighting chance. I wouldn't be so pessimist. There's been some. There's been some positives. Not everything has been bad. You could focus on the Correcaminos defeat, or even the last two. But the team has done like they they played away like to play on the road and and like the four three against Leon. That was a good match. And they haven't, they hadn't been playing like that for a long time. At least, like slowly by slowly, this 
there's been minor improvements. So I don't think it's been, everything's been uh, so doom and gloom as a lot of fans are making it seem. That's my big take. Yeah, I can agree. I think, I think let him go the whole season. Uh, I actually like him. I think he's an entertaining guy. Um, <laughs> so it's for for entertainment purposes, it's pretty good. Uh, even recently, I think he he was asked about the the Gignac situation, and he oh. ex- and he explained that he he's he's waiting like an apology or you know Gignac was the one that started it because he was talking boy was talking to the ref and yelling at the ref. Yeah. And Gignac came in and like you know, was doing hand motions like, uh, like yet yeah, telling off his mother and stuff. Like yeah. do, and then, so, and then, so boy got into it with him. And then when he was, uh, when I guess, I guess in the, in the lot or not in the locker rooms, I did the same thing he did. <laughs> he said in the locker rooms and he corrected himself in the tunnel. Uh, Gignac was up, like, was like saying he's going to like making a fist, like saying he was going to beat him up and stuff. Yeah, and that, so, you know, that was a good interview. He said some interesting things. He also said how Chivas has 11 goals in seven games and how the team had not been able to score that many, I don't know, in how many seasons. So, I mean, those those are some some of the positives we're talking about. Um, but I do think he messed up by uh, when, when they brought up Mati. I think that's a soft spot. And you want to win over the Chivas faithful, you're just not allowed to say anything bad about Mati. Uh, that guy is a saint for the Chivas. <laughs> Even though his last two seasons, he, he pretty much put the hurt on. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like a phenomenon to me. Just i never seen a coach be forgiven so much. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, if, if you're there, just don't say anything, anything negative about about Mati, I think that's the one thing Cardoso did right when he was at Chivas and the, the comparisons. And, and this is something that I think we're going to see for a long time, that any coach that comes, they're just going to start comparing them to Mati. And, and I think that's not going away, you know, until someone else comes that could be more successful. So, uh, yeah, that whole Mati thing. So it's best to ignore it and be like, yeah, yeah, guy was good, you know. But he's not here, so that <laughs> was the point. Yeah, and it doesn't help that he's yeah, doing well. Yeah, because he said, he said, he's like Mati, Mati, they weren't playing football, and he he was just a good motivator, and and that that just pissed off the fans, oh, and then yeah. losing the Copa MX was just double whammy right there. I was sort of hoping that he wouldn't do as well, and I didn't think he would do as well as he is with San Jose. So that's sort of like supporting the. He did, you know, you know what? what one thing that Mati did, because I felt in his last seasons, uh, to me that that uh, the other coaches had figured him out, and he was having a hard time because if you and and you and you know there's always that excuse of oh there was lesionados or. or they had sold players, and and those excuses don't really stand uh, when you see that they're like Cardoso managed a better season. Cardoso's first season with Chivas was better than the last two of Matias, yeah. and he had a lesser squad. So I mean, where where the excuses, you know? Uh, and and we're talking about a Mati that by this point already had like two years with the team. 
So, so you really can't have that excuse um, of lesionados or they sold X player. Uh, but I do think he got figured out. And so he was having a hard time playing with a lot of these teams from the IMX that the coaches kind of knew what to expect. So one, one thing that he, he did do when he went to San Jose, he took, uh, he took El Maestro Galindo as his assistant coach. Uh, and uh, and and Galindo, he he you know he knows what's up. He's won he won the league title with with Santos, and he was the Chivas coach back when Chivas had this one one excellent run in uh, Libertadores, the one with uh with Bofo, Russell Zavombonera, I believe he was the he was the guy in the bench. But he's he's you know he's a capable guy, so I think that's helped him. Having someone like like Alindo, I would like to know how much of an influence he's been. That at least, uh, you know, my estimate's been pretty good. I'm not attributing everything. Just to clarify, I'm not attributing this good run to to El Maestro, but I do think it helps having someone like that. You know, that that you could like bounce back ideas or. Or they could tell you, like, okay, this is what I, what I think you're doing wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm gonna be in San Jose in a few weeks, so I might go to that. I might go and watch their play Philadelphia and uh, Marco Fabian. Oh, go to the training session, man. You hunt, hunt down, hunt down Maestro and and get some stuff from him. Yeah, that'd be cool. And usually, if you go to the training, a lot of times. You, no one approaches those guys, and, and you'll be surprised just how much they like to talk and how much info they'll give you. Uh, Hugo, I don't know if he left, but he was. He told us the last time he was here his story when he, he was at the training session, and, and one of the assistants of Piojo uh, just gave him all this, you know, gave him all these pearls, man. He, 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 yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You training sessions, yeah, during the day training sessions. I don't know if I can. I'll be available. Oh, but... you. You'll be able... all right. All right. <laughs> during the evening, you might I. Have to send Jaime. Yeah. Send Jaime. Maybe, but during the evening, during the game, uh, I'm gonna try. I might try to get in, get a, a pass or something. I don't know how much tickets cost, but yeah, it sort of might be interesting to go to that San Jose and see uh, see if I can get some uh, up-close shots or something of Matias, Marco Fabian. But yeah, we'll see. All right, man. All right, that's all she wrote. All right, thanks for uh, coming on, Joel. Always. Yeah, it's been been a good time. Uh, I want to thank, I guess, Google for coming on a little bit towards the end. Juan and John for coming in, and uh, this has been episode 214 of the Cantina Mix podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.